Welcome back to Hair of the Werewolf. I'm Chase, and I'm here with my co-host, Lily. Hello. And we're a supernatural horror podcast that likes to tell each other scary stories, often over a drink, to help deal with our work week hangover or whatever seems to be bringing you down by the end of the week. So cheers to those of you joining us. Uh, What are you drinking today, Lily? I am having a sparkling water. (laughs) Today we are hydrating something fierce. You've got plans Uh, later in the day. You're going to go out walking in the sun for an art walk, so you got to make sure you're hydrated. Yeah, and also I am truly living the form of Hair of the Werewolf because last night I had some wine, red wine, by the way, not even that much of it, but here I am with a headache. What is happening? Sometimes those wines, they got that, they got that stuff in it that, uh, what is it used for? Like, why I can't would remember what it's there? called. It's that, it's that stuff that um, cheaper wines put in there to make your wine taste better. It <laughs> tends to be a hangover aggregate. I guess I get what I paid for. Yeah, I don't know. It wasn't a very good wine you were drinking last night. So no, it was, was it. it was sad. I'm very sad about that. But it's okay. I, I'm in actually good spirits, so I'm really happy to be doing this right now and distracting myself from this horrible, horrible hangover. Okay. <laughs> And thankfully, I'm feeling a lot better because I don't know if you noticed last week, I was a little bit sick. Went and got tested. Don't worry. I was totally not with COVID. It just <laughs> your run of the mill crappy cold. I know. And but, you got me sick. But fortunately with me, I got better, I think, a little quicker. Yeah, you got sick after me and got quicker because you don't get a cough. I get a cough if like the sun rises. So <laughs> it's always just me. The sun's but, looking at me wrong. Better but cough. We're, but we're doing good. We're pretty excited. Yeah, we're on, what, episode 41? This is 41, man. Yeah. Almost a full year. We got some stuff planned for October. We'll give you more information as it gets closer, but there's exciting things in the future. Definitely some good news on that, for sure. I'm basically excited. So uh, what story do you have for me today? Okay, so I have kind of a wild one here. It is a cursed painting called The Hands That Resist Him, Mm. also known as... The eBay haunted painting. A cursed painting, huh? That's new to me. <laughs> I know. I know about haunted dolls and haunted mirrors, but a cursed painting. You know, and that's right up my alley because for some reason I do have this feeling that objects can become... Cursed? Or at least carry something negative about them, which sounds weird because I don't like using the words energies or anything like that because they just, they don't sound like me. You're but, right. But uh, yeah, the idea of me buying a painting online that has like a horrible history and there's some sort of like baggage to it, that actually, that actually scares me. Well, be prepared then because this one is a doozy. All right. So I hadn't done a cursed object in a long time. So I thought it was, it was time. I haven't done a cursed object in a long time. So I thought it was time uh, to not only tell a story about an object that causes havoc and kind of possessions to it but it also happens when you just simply look at it so you don't even have to own it or anything like that so naturally i watched it like a million times (laughs) (laughs) every single time i read an article there it was there was youtube videos of it of the real painting as well so i mean i don't know i'd like to report that i'm fine so far so nothing bad has happened so just seeing it. Just seeing it, yeah. So that would explain why you didn't print it out for me. I did. Here it is. I'm oh, just kidding. <laughs> Your eyes. So she never prints visual aids. I do it all the time, which I get that it probably makes sense not to do it because you guys can't see them. But, right. Uh, but and- I was like, for a second, I was like, please don't tell me she printed it. <laughs> you know what? I actually thought about it, but then I was like, dang, that's a lot of ink. Because, you know, it's it's a painting. There's a lot of color to <laughs> Your concern <laughs> is the ink (laughs) um but it's okay i mean you can just google it honestly it's like the first thing that'll come up be warned it is cursed so do what you will with that information so the reason i found out about this painting i was actually going to be doing a different story about another haunted or cursed object which i will be doing eventually at some point but i came across this like top 10 haunted like cursed objects blah 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 and i'm like oh cool i'll definitely find a story here anyway in the intro of this article it said i was going to include the hands that resist him but while my research and like looking at the image and everything Mm -hmm. they were having horrible headaches or like malfunctions of the internet or their computer shutting down and they were like i got the hint so even in his 
or her, I, I don't remember the author, in their top 10 list of cursed things, they refused to put it on there because of the image. So here we are. <laughs> this makes me so comfortable. I know. Get ready. Okay. So, so of course, when I heard that, I'm like, I got to look this up. So I did. Uh, the painting is by Bill Stoneham from 1972. The painting itself is of a young boy around five years old standing in front of or outside in front of a glass door. He's kind of just standing there squinting from the sun and looking directly back at you. Next to the boy is a life-size doll of a little girl around three or four years old. She's holding something in her hand, but it's kind of difficult to see what it is. Also, she has black round hollowed eyes and her mouth is in like the most dramatic downward sad expression. (laughs) It sort of looks like a ventriloquist dummy's mouth, but intentionally sad and much creepier if you can even imagine that. Uh, There's a glass door behind the two kids and you can see disembodied hands touching the glass door from the other side. So you can see little uh, palms pressing against the glass. It's pretty disturbing picture in general and it would be something that would catch my eye in a museum. So it is pretty... It's a kind of a powerful painting, I'd say. It's just really creepy and eerie looking. There's a lot of stuff going on. Well, I think the painting sounds incredibly creepy. Yeah, like, it is. Just <laughs> disembodies hands against a glass window. Yeah. Like, is it bloody? It, they're not or, bloody. Are they just floating or are they like cut off at the wrist? They're or? kind of, they look like, okay, well, they kind of look like they're cut off, but only because it's coming out of the shadows. So inside the house, behind the glass door... You can't see anything else. So it might be it might be the the hands of ghosts, not just obviously just floating disembodied hands. Right. Yeah, okay. Right. 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 Yeah. How how is it painted? Is it painted kind of? Uh, is it is it realistic? Is it painterly? Is it impressionistic? It's, is it's it a little impressionistic? Uh, not super real. I took one art history class hmm. <laughs> many many years ago, so please uh, bear with me. I'm not too familiar with the terminology, but yeah, I'd say more like wispier the colors aren't as realistic they're kind of not brighter so there's like a lot of brighter colors pastel but then there's like a lot of dark shadows too it's kind of an interesting um image yep that is my sure making me want to <laughs> see it but i don't at the same time my 101 art history description so sorry it is something to see though so i'll just leave it at that the painting was originally displayed at the fane garden gallery in beverly hills california I think that's how you say it. Fane Garden. I don't know. In 1974, along with Stoneham's other work, it was kind of like his own show. Mm. If you are curious, his other paintings are arguably just as strange and disturbing. Uh, don't get me wrong. They're very creative and beautiful, like I said, but definitely creepy nonetheless. There was um, at this show an art critic by the name of Henry Seldes who wrote a review in the Los Angeles Times and then died within a year. Uh. <laughs> Hold on. The owner of the gallery also died that same year. Having two deaths so close together made people think that Sonam's work might be cursed. Okay, two deaths does sound weird. Yeah. But within a year, I mean, at some point, <laughs> that's just like saying when someone saw this painting, they died 45 years later. You <laughs> lived like, a long and healthy <laughs> life. Yeah. Ah. <laughs> so, already, okay. Color me not believing at the moment. Okay. That's fair. So far, not so good, but that's okay. So the painting was eventually purchased by actor John Marley, who is probably best known as Jack Waltz in the Godfather movie. Mm. Uh, For those who haven't seen the movie, he's the guy that wakes up with the severed horse head in the bed. Uh. Yeah, very famous image. Even if you haven't seen the movie, I think you know. You know. That painting was in his possession until he died in 1984, and he was 76 years old. Some people like to say that it's the continuation of the curse, but it also was like 10 years later. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> And he was a pretty, you know, he was older. respectable age. Oh, yeah, yeah, exactly. After Marley died, though, there was a large gap of time that the painting was not accounted for. No one really knows who it went to or like where it was being kept until it mysteriously resurfaced when a couple found it behind an old brewery that was turned into an art gallery in California. So it was like behind the gallery, it like it was being thrown away. So like not even, even they're like, we're not putting this up. <laughs> they're like, we don't even want this. Yeah, exactly. Did they, even, did they even know what it was? No, they had no idea. They saw it back there and they were like, why would somebody throw away a perfectly good painting? So they took it home and they, they said, I mean, they've been quoted being like, 
it looked fine. It looked kind of cool. It looked creepy. Whatever. All right. <laughs> free paintings, a free painting. Um, so here are their experience. Like I said, the couple ended up taking it home and hanging it in their four-year-old daughter's room. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't seen it, but the way you described it, right. this is not a kid thing. Like, if you said hung it above the toilet, I'd be like, all right. Bathroom art. Sure, okay. Four-year-old's room? What do they want her to grow into? I don't know. I'm beginning to see the kinds of people who are like, oh, look at this really sweet painting, like, being thrown away by an art gallery. Is there a reason? No, probably not. Let's go give it to our four-year-old daughter (laughs) and shape her into a totally normal criminal. She's not going to be a paranormal investigator at all, ever, in in her future. Um, yeah, so that's what they did, and it wasn't long after that she started complaining about how, quote, the children in the painting would fight, and the girl would threaten the boy with the object she was holding in her hand, end quote. The parents would brush it off thinking that she was just having nightmares. Classic. It wasn't until the little girl started complaining that the little boy and doll would, quote, leave the painting as ghosts and continue their fighting, end quote. To appease the child, the parents decided to set up motion-detecting cameras in her room to prove to her that it was all in her imagination. Why didn't the parents just take the painting down? I I don't know. Seriously. I was like, (laughs) it's like, you know what the easiest solution here is? Remove the painting or buy motion-detecting equipment. I hate these people so much. I do, too. They should have been cursed, not like the little girl. Yeah, seriously. Poor little innocent little girl. I mean, even if it was just an overreaction of... Her being scared of the painting. Maybe she doesn't like the painting, yeah, mom and I was like, dad. Maybe she just doesn't like it. Put up some Disney characters like the rest of people, like everyone else. Just, oh my God, this poor child. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> they did end up send, setting up the camera. So it's not like a video camera. It's to take pictures. Mm. And when they finally reviewed those pictures, the family was stunned on what they found. They had captured several photos of what looked like the painting coming to life. The colors of the painting seemed to change from one picture to the next. The object in the doll's hand took different shapes and started to resemble a gun. Oh, wow. Yeah. Originally, the painting of the little girl is holding a battery of wires, as I found out later. A what of wires? So it's like a battery and wires. Okay. I don't know. So uh, something that arguably, when I look at the picture, does not look like a gun. So it's not something I would mistake it, Mm. you know, even if I was a kid, I'd be like, that's not a gun. Um... There was one picture that looked like the boy or a ghostly version of the boy was trying to escape the painting and looked visibly distressed, which kind of makes sense to me because if <laughs> I'd be scared too if I was a multidimensional being being threatened by a doll with a gun. I mean, it's just so it's this idea that this boy is constantly trying to run away from the painting. Hmm. No idea why. So eventually, the couple, after seeing these pictures and the little girl being still scared of it, Uh, decided to place the painting for auction on eBay in 2000. (laughs) Initially, they... they, uh, Sorry. Let's give this obviously cursed thing (laughs) to somebody else. Pass on the curse. They didn't think to throw it away like the brewery had done. Well, maybe... Okay, so... so You said brewery, right? It was a brewery turned gallery? Brewery turned gallery, yeah. Exactly. Initially, they did contemplate on destroying the painting, but many people warned them that it could unleash an evil. We've heard that before, Mm. like the conjuring and all that stuff. So it is something that is very concerning and people do really think about. Anyway, they placed the painting for sale. The seller was very transparent about its story or history. It claimed that it was haunted and that it could possibly be cursed. In fact, on eBay, they also posted a disclaimer that read, quote, warning, do not bid on this painting if you are susceptible to stress-related diseases or if you are faint of heart or are unfamiliar with the supernatural events. By bidding on this painting, you are you agree to release the owner of all liability in relation of the sale or any events happening after the sale. That might be contributed to this painting. This painting may or may not possess supernatural powers that could impact or change your life. However, you agree to exclusively bid on the value of the artwork with disregard to the last two photos featured in this auction and hold the owners harmless in regards to them and their impact expressed or implied. Now that we got this out of the way, one question to your to you eBayers. We want our house to be blessed after the painting is gone. Does anyone know who is qualified to do that? The size of the painting is 24 by 36 inches, so it's rather large. Yeah, it's, that's a standard poster size. I think it is, yeah. 
As I've had several questions, here are the following answers. There was no odor left behind in the room. There are no voices or the smell of gunpowder. No footprints or strange fluids on the wall, end quote. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) In addition to the eBay posts, they actually did include the pictures that were taken that one night that I told Mm. you about. But I was not able to find them, so I don't know. Typical. Typical, whatever. Over 30,000 people visited the auction page, and of those 30,000, many people were reporting feeling ill or mentally disturbed. Here are some of their reactions. These are real quotes that I got. One of them was, quote, I still refuse to look at slash study this picture for more than like five seconds. It creeps me the fuck out, end quote. Another one said, quote, I actually purchased a print of this painting from his website. I put it on display in my living room, and man, that thing made everyone who saw it uncomfortable. People actually would stop coming over because of it. I ended up taking it down due to popular demand, and now it's under my cloth in my jam pad, end quote. (laughs) (laughs) In my jam pad. In my jam pad. I was like, that's going in the story. Other things that people might experience when looking at the painting is... One, uh, whenever children are exposed to it, they are the most affected by it. They would have vivid nightmares and claim to have seen the little boy and doll in their room. People have claimed to feel like they were being touched by small hands. Printers would malfunction whenever they tried printing the image. Someone else claimed they heard an, quote, exorcist-type voice along with a blast of hot air, end quote, when they simply would be viewing it on the eBay uh, post. Another person became ill when they first set eyes on the painting. After reading the disclaimer, they immediately burned sage in their house because they were afraid and they wanted to cleanse it. Nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong. You know, they were like, oh, look, a painting. Yeah, it's it, cursed. They ain't, hurt, oh, they ain't hurt no one by burning sage and it, it could only be a good thing. Right, exactly. Either nothing happens or something good happens. Exactly. I think the creepiest experience that I did read about was this one person was like, I had a blackout slash mind control experience. So after viewing it, they kind of went into a trance hmm. and they couldn't remember a big portion of time. So, I don't know about that. <laughs> We're still talking about, like, anonymous comments It is anonymous comments. I know, I know. But it's still pretty eerie. After these reports surfaced, you know, like, when the post was still up and everything, mm-hmm. the sellers did kind of backtrack and added something to their disclaimer. They said, quote, to deter questions in this direction, there are no ghosts in this world, no supernatural powers. This is just a painting. And most of these things have an explanation. In this case, probably a fluke light effect. I encourage you to bid on the artwork and consider the last two photographs as pure entertainment and please do not take them into consideration when bidding. As we think it is a good idea to bless my house, we still welcome input into the procedure, end quote. Man, so, there is what the some, hell? <laughs> yeah, that's like saying one thing and not saying that it's like the hidden context of what they're trying to say is, please buy our painting, we right. want to get rid of it. Exactly, that's exactly what I got out of it. They're like, okay, we might be scaring too many people because no one's actually trying to buy it. <laughs> but also, bless the house for no other reason. <laughs> totally unrelated. It's so weird. But despite this, the internet was not letting it go. So after they had said it was haunted and all this stuff, after this, like there were tons of websites and chat rooms that were dedicated to the painting. Now, if you Google simply haunted painting of eBay, this image will immediately greet you. Uh, so be careful. Again, it you will see it immediately. There's no uh, warning or anything. The bid was originally set at $199, so $199, but eventually sold for $1,025 to what? Kim's... What? I know. That's quite a bit, I mean, in comparison. It was sold to Kim Smith, who is the owner of, a, of the Perception Gallery in Grand Rapids, Michigan. In the interview, he said, quote, I wish I could have I could report a bizarre happening or mind possession type thing. But the unusual thing started happening with the first email and counting prayers and quotes from the scriptures from a man of faith advice as to how to cleanse the my residence of the evil thing from a Native American shaman in Mississippi reports of people being repulsed, made physically ill or suffering from a blackout slash mind control experience. End quote. So that's when I got that quote. Even though he doesn't seem to believe that the painting is haunted, he doesn't put the painting on display. He is currently um, has it in storage and is willing to show it to people, or at at the very least, the YouTuber guy that I saw. Mm. Um, He showed it to him and allowed him to film it. I don't know if it's because he's just trying to be cautious, even though he might not 
have a reaction mm-hmm. i think he might be afraid that like it could affect why would his, he buy it if i don't he's know put in stores though exactly i don't understand that and also what i don't understand is that he gets regular offers to get to purchase a painting uh, he refuses all of them and he even said that he got like a low six-figure offer at some point but also refused i mean can you call a six-figure offer low well i mean a hundred thousand mm. that would be the lowest i guess i guess <laughs> Smiths also reached out to an artist and told him about the strange events, so that's pretty cool. The gallery owner said Bill was not expecting all this fuss over the painting, and he, that wait, okay. So I was waiting to ask if you had oh, information about okay. the artist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And now you're getting to it. So yeah. I was like, does the artist had he even heard about this by this point? No. So he knew none of this. This is literally the first time after this gallery owner purchased it from eBay. This and then got reached out, like reached out to the pa- uh, the painter. This is the first time he heard about it. This was on eBay in like right around two thousand. You said right two thousand. I think he finally purchased it in two thousand one. And so, and this was painted in the seventies. Seventy two. So we're talking like 74? thirty years. He painted something in thirty years. Exactly. Later. Yeah. So was he like, huh? Finally, one of them's haunted. Or like, what's going on here? Like, <laughs> yes, it's all coming together. Was he okay with this? Was he upset about this? So, did the- yeah. So this is this is what he said. Like the gallery guy was like, went after I contacted him. He said that he wasn't expecting all the fuss over his painting, but was not entirely surprised because only because he was like, oh, I always thought it was weird that there were some deaths surrounding my artwork. Um, <laughs> that art or all his art? I don't know because I think he meant like this painting in particular but the fact that he wasn't totally surprised is a little weird also he says that his other paintings and that one he remembered did resonate strongly with people when they went to go visit he did say that his paintings does resonate pretty strongly with people like he said something that he observed when he was having his gallery showing initially back in the 70s and so he just figured that you know it was just channeling maybe you know he was trying to explain it like Maybe his paintings do channel something, either within mm-hmm. or or supernatural. Who knows? I also want to give like a little backstory to the painting. So kind of going back to it, it turns out that the painting is based on an actual picture that was taken of Stoneham, the artist, when he was five years old. And the little girl, who was basically a doll in the painting, was like a neighborhood kid that he played with. Uh, Sodom's painting represents a dividing line between the waking world and the world of fantasy and impossibilities. The doll represents as a guide to the other side. The hands are alternative lives or possibilities of what his life could have been. The title came from a poem that his then wife wrote. Uh, Ro- I think her name was Rowan Ponsetti. And the title to her poem was The Hands Resist Him Like the Secret of His Birth. This poem was also written about Stodom and his experience of being adopted. So I guess what I'm trying to say is that this painting is very personal to him. And when he created it, it was about him, not something sinister or like, I don't know. Does that make sense? Mm. It was never meant to be cursed, I guess. Allegedly. Allegedly. (laughs) Clearly not. (laughs) After Smith had spoken to Stoneham, the artist decided to check out some of these websites and about people's experiences and feelings and all that stuff. His reaction was, and this is a direct quote from him, Suddenly, there's a blown up image of my face from the painting. Now, that was a creepy feeling. And he also says, why would they hang that in the kid's bedroom? So even he was like, (laughs) what the hell, man? He did admit that while he was painting the piece, he did intentionally use uh, Jungian and metaphysical symbolism, which if you guys don't know what that is, uh, Jungian, named after the psychologist Carl Jung, is a type of psychodynamic psychotherapy which utilizes the instinctual motivation of psychological development in addition to those of love and power. The goal is to achieve psychological healing and wellness by aligning conscious and unconscious aspects of the personality. And metaphysics is the branch of of philosophy that studies the first principles of being, identity and change, space and time, casualty, necessity, and possibility. (laughs) These are directly from the internet because I was barely able to digest what it meant. (laughs) So you do what you want with that information. Well, Carl Jung's stuff was complex. It was very complex. I was just trying to read the Wikipedia entry, which Mm. is really long, by the way. And I'm like, no. I'm getting a a smaller (laughs) quote from somewhere else. Anyway, yeah, I mean, I know of Carl Jung as well, but I'm like, this is is too much. 
Anyway, incidentally, the painting led to more commissions relating to the original painting. And yes, they're also very creepy looking. Uh, so you mean modern commissions. And by modern, I meant like, so these weren't commissions he was getting in the 70s because of the painting. These are commissions now. So now like, because of the whole hype and all that stuff. Hey, well, I nothing's mean, worse than being hey. than, than being an artist who becomes famous after you die. He's getting some fame now. <laughs> Maybe not for the right reason. After but. other people died. Who knows? Uh, <laughs> Just had to twist it, didn't I you? I did have to get it creepy, yes. Uh, so, so there were two requests for a sequel to the original painting made by Zach Baggins in 2004. I know that name. I know you know that name. He's the host of Ghost Adventures. Oh, yeah. yeah. That paranormal show you hate mm-hmm. <laughs> for whatever. Well, it's a little dramatic, I, I admit. Then Zach Baggins also commissioned a third painting, but this time it was a prequel. And this was made in 2017. And it was titled The Hands Invent Him. It depicts the scene from inside the house looking outside the glass doors to the two kids. So that was pretty cool. Um, in 2016, there was a book based on the painting, and it was written by Daryl O'Neill. It was a fictional book, but it was kind of it was a drama. It was a drama. It wasn't like a it wasn't like a history of exactly. Okay. It was like about a murder or something like that. But it does have something to do with it. But anyway, he was inspired to write the book because of his own experience on the artwork, and this is what happened to him. He said, "Quote: I first saw it online when I was living in Dubai." I printed it out and left it on the side table next to some other documents printed on the same printer with the same paper. Anyway, I went to Italy for a month. When I came back, the air conditioning had gone awry. Uh, Everything was had green mold, the TV, bedsheets, my daughter's cotton clothing, all my suits in the closet and the documents I had printed all green. But right next to them, the only thing that was perfectly untouched was the printout of that painting. It's messed up. That is nasty. I read somewhere else that there was going to be a documentary. Didn't find a lot of information on it. But either way, this painting has caused a lot of commotion. And when you go online, you will still find stories from people being affected by this image. So back in college, uh, when you were, you know, you were living with me, but back in college, uh, mm-hmm. my closet got infested with mold. Oh, my God. I remember that. And so I lost all a lot of my artwork yeah. from that class and I lost some clothes. I even had an old computer in there that got filled with mold. Mm-hmm. And it was absolutely shocking. And before you guys just assume, you know, like I live dirty or nothing, I absolutely <laughs> don't. Um, you nasty. Like, we found that the roof, uh, we live in flat roof houses out here, had broken and water had been seeping into yeah. the sides of the walls and everything. But, you know, it, it made me remember that when you said mold is everywhere. And I was like, ooh, I wonder what when my closet was haunted. <laughs> Find the one thing that didn't have mold on and be like, ooh, that's the cursed item right that's there. That's what you got to put on eBay now. <laughs> <laughs> the one thing. Sell it. I think, I honestly am not joking, because this was still, uh, when I had some of my more creative clothes, I think it was my black and red stripe suspenders that had no mold on them and i thought it was just because they were like super artificial or something oh they're like nothing can grow on this it's like lead (laughs) (laughs) or the molds like those are gross it was like i don't don't even want that mess the haunted suspenders the the haunted goth emo suspenders (laughs) that's my next story (laughs) (laughs) it's Uh, a comedy yeah it is uh yeah so that is my story it's got a lot you know and i I, I will say that when I did look at it, at first I got a little freaked out because I already knew in context what it meant. So you knew it was going to be haunted before you saw it. Exactly. Like I said, I saw it on that one article, the top 10 sure. haunted things, but they wouldn't even put the picture. And then did you Google it? And then I Googled it. I was like, well, I got to look at it. Um, and then I found enough stories and information I thought that would make a pretty cool story. So that's what I did. So the top 10, they listed that as the most haunted. They just didn't put the picture, right? No, they didn't even put it in the list. He's like, I can't even bring... Because everything that was on the list had an image with it. Okay. And I think just to keep in theme with it, but they were like, I don't even want to really talk about it more, but I did need to mention it because it was affecting me when I was doing this article. I'm like... Ugh. So was there anything else um, on that list that you're like, that you thought was as creepy or even close? Or is this like... Legitimately well, the creepiest thing. this is the way he they wrote it. Um, it was definitely suggesting that it was the creepiest thing, and that's why I had to look at the painting. And I got a little freaked out. And I'm like, uh oh, what am I doing? <laughs> but at that point, it was too late. So I was like, well, I might as well research it. 
But no, there was like, like the Annabelle doll was on the list, uh, things like that. There was one other item that I do plan on doing. Okay. okay. And I don't want to talk about it right now. Can't spoil it. Right, exactly. But yeah, there are definitely a lot of creepy things on that list. You know, I, I can't say if this painting is haunted because I'm actually not going to look at a picture of it. I'm not going to do You're it. You're not going to do it? No. Okay. I'm I was absolutely wondering. not going to do it. Mm. Um, and so I can't actually give an opinion about how I feel until I look at it. And even then, I'd be worried that I'm just, you know, creating my own emotional response and that could in be my a big head and part et cetera, et cetera. Of it. Right. But I very much am of the belief that despite my struggles with trying to find out what I do and don't believe when it comes to anything supernatural or paranormal, yeah. I can guarantee you... If I brought home like a painting or like a statue or some piece of art and I started having nightmares or feeling uncomfortable with it, Mm -hmm. I absolutely would believe something was wrong with it and I needed to remove it. Oh, okay. But I wouldn't sell it on eBay and I wouldn't put it in a kid's room. (laughs) So I'd say (laughs) at the end of the day, I'm a better human than those two bastards. They They did not handle the situation appropriately, I think, but it did get attention and and, and got this story to you. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I think like if I, you know, like for example, you hear, be careful what you buy at thrift stores, you know, secondhand stores, because mm. things could be, could hold on to evil things, even like moments or ghosts or demon, you know, the most extreme situation. But yeah, I guess that would be good. Just be like, I'm going to just throw it away and hope it doesn't find its way back in my house, you know? So who knows? But then they always have that thing, like they talked about in the Conjuring movie with Animal, right. that sometimes removing it isn't going to fix it. It's not the issue. It's just, uh, it's it's holding on to it, but it's finding, it's trying to find something else to hold on to. And I also find the idea that if people take photos of it, people are still getting disturbed by it. Because mm-hmm. to me, like a photo is just an abstraction. Like there's nothing that should be, if, if something is, let's just say something is possessed how why would it get into the photo how could the photo also be possessed right and i have so no idea the idea of it as as ridiculous as my sound is also incredibly terrifying i know exactly so this is actually <laughs> one of the scarier things that you've talked to me about this hey. one actually messed me up a little bit now all i'm gonna be doing yes. is i've pictured i have a picture in my mind except admittedly i know it's not going to be accurate because for some reason i'm picturing something like a deranged norman rockwell painting like hyper realistic but also like bright hey. colors but creepy that's actually a really good oh, way of describing serious? it yeah a little bit because it's not like super super realism but like it's got those kind of brush strokes mm. that like doesn't make it look like a real picture, mm. if that makes sense. Okay. Um, that's kind of what I meant. I don't know. So Man, yeah, that is a struggle. It I'm is kind of a to... deranged uh, Norman Rockwell. I say I'm not going to look at it, but we'll find out next episode. Lily will probably ask me, like, <laughs> did you look at it? And we'll find out if I have by then. I still have everything, all my tabs saved. So you guys, we can look at them any moment. I mean, you can just Google it, but yeah. Don't bring that hate in my house. <laughs> I heard he brought it in the house. I'm mm. living it. Don't worry, though. But anyway, I think that was enough information. I think I need another glass of water. (laughs) And I can't wait to hear your story. I have no idea what you're doing. Yeah, let's take a quick break and we'll be right back. Cool. All right, guys, welcome back. I hope you have a refreshment because it's time for an end of episode encounter. Yay, I miss it. It's been a while. (laughs) And don't worry, this one's good. So today, I'm going to talk about what is allegedly one of the most documented UFO cases in history, but I'm not going to lie, I hadn't heard of it. So it goes by several names, the most common being the Kelly Hopkinsville encounter, but it's sometimes called the Kelly Greenman case and the Hopkinsville Goblin case. Interesting. I don't like either of those titles after you hear the story, So, but it's just something that people, you know, call it. After a little bit of research, I can say that is one hell of a wild ride. And I'm pretty sure this may be the influence to some of our more cliche tropes about UFO stories that have come into movies and stories and everything like that. There's some stuff here. It's 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 really good. Okay. That isn't to say that there aren't some unique traits to this one. One key distinction from your average UFO story is that this one has 11 eyewitnesses. And we aren't talking about a distant light in the sky. No. This isn't just a sighting we're talking about. This is an encounter, a full-blown encounter. We are going to milk this segment title for all it's worth today. <laughs> so isn't that like a fourth encounter, or what's the uh, level? Um, Man, that's a good question, because like, you have, I can't remember what all the kinds are, because you have the third kind and the fourth kind. 
Yeah. I can't I think, remember I either. Fourth, I think the fourth kind is an abduction. Oh, okay. So this would... I call this a three and a half kind. If that's because if three <laughs> means you see them and four means like they like physically contact you, this is like a 3.5 encounter. Okay. Sounds weird, but okay. <laughs> to me, though, the most bizarre aspect of this counter is my favorite part of the story. This encounter involves a full-blown shootout between humans and the unknown. Oh, God. Oh, my God. <laughs> The story began on August 21st, 1955, near the towns of Kelly and Hopkinsville, which are located in the southwestern region of Kentucky. Cool. There is a small, unremarkable house located on a farm owned by the Sutton family. At the time, the house was occupied by two families, the Suttons and the Taylors. The Sutton family was nine people strong, six adults, and three children. And more reputable sources claim that the Taylors, which were 21-year-old Billy Ray Taylor and his 18-year-old wife, who I couldn't find the name of, were just visiting. They Mm -hmm. weren't necessarily living there. Billy Ray knew Lucky Sutton from work they had done together in a traveling carnival previously. Nice. Uh, yeah. We're going to get back <laughs> so to that. Weird. I was like, wait, is this the end of that story? <laughs> yeah, I was like, and we're not going to listen to this. Anyway, one story read described the house as being devoid of running water, had no radio, telephone, or even a single book. A relatively Luddite affair. It was described as a hot night, and around 7 p.m., Billy Ray went out to the well in the back to fetch water. Mm. That's when he spotted a bizarre light in the sky. He described it as extremely bright, with a multicolored trail behind it. He also said it was silent as it passed over his house, where it proceeded to stop in midair and drop straight down towards the ground. Oh, hell no. He came in to tell everyone what he had seen, only to be met with disbelief. See, Billy Ray had a bit of reputation for pranks and general tomfoolery. Okay. What's his name again? Billy Ray. Damn it, Billy Ray. Damn. <laughs> So I would just like to add that since he has that reputation, it makes him an ideal candidate for being a credible UFO witness. UFO witnesses always are the finest quality caliber person. Yes, obviously. After an hour passed, the dog began to bark and growl constantly. Both Lucky and Billy Ray decided it was time to investigate. What they saw was a distant and ominous glow. Contained within it was a small figure that appeared human-like, but still different. They claimed it was between three and four feet in height, had a large, round head with arms that were exceedingly long, stretching almost to the ground. Hmm. One account described it as monkey-like. Its eyes had a yellowish glow, and its body looked like a shiny metal. Some accounts said with a greenish quality, others just said shiny. Most disturbingly, the creatures were described as having large talon-like claws, and some of the descriptions described it as hovering in a ghost-like manner, and that they appeared to be swimming through the air. Ew. The unnatural sight terrified both men. They then decided that the best course of action would be to get their guns. <laughs> hey, but, I'm, on, I'm all about that. <laughs> in this case, a shotgun and a rifle. They claimed the creature was coming towards the back door of the house, and they opened fire on it. At this point, they claimed the creature raised its arms as one would when a gun was pointed at you. It then allegedly did a flip and ran back into the distance. I don't know why they kept saying run to the house and ran back, because they also said it was gliding and swimming through the air. So I'm a little confused by this. I got to read some of their reports, and I got to tell you, uh, I don't think they're the most... Maybe eloquent at their description. I was going to say, maybe they just didn't have the words, you know? Yeah, I don't think they had the words. Okay. <laughs> either way, both men retreated into the house. Moments later, either the same creature or another one just like it appeared in one of the windows. <gasps> this unexpected sight prompted yet more bullets from the two men. <laughs> As before, the creature appeared to flip, retreat, and disappear. Wait, what do you mean flip? You mean like literally flip? They said the word flip. Maybe they meant like turned around or do they mean freak out do they mean startle i don't know i they just said flip (laughs) so i gotta go with what they're saying i'm thinking like a backflip and it's like see ya (laughs) it does it does like the cheers at the end like like the gymnastics competition like i'm out (laughs) oh my god so another 
came at the door again, which is once again met with a barrage of bullets. These closer encounters allowed for other people within the house to get a better look at the creatures. Mm. 50-year-old widow Glennie Lackford, the oldest of the Suttons, described the alien as appearing to be bright metal, similar to that which was on her refrigerator. So, no running water, no TV, no radio, no books, but they sure as fuck got a refrigerator. (laughs) It's just, I don't know. Priorities. I didn't live in the 50s. I should probably ask my parents about this. I'm like, how common was it for people to have nothing in their house except a refrigerator? Right. It seems a little weird to me. (laughs) After the tensions began to calm, Billy Ray went outside to the porch to investigate. While he was looking around, the other people in the house witnessed a hand with claws reach (gasps) down towards Billy to the point of touching his hair. One account even said lifted him up by his hair. In a moment of panic, they grabbed Billy Ray to pull him inside, and Lucky unleashed a slew of bullets towards the porch roof. <laughs> Billy Ray, why would he do that? Well, but it, was, it was Lucky who shot. No, Billy no, got I meant like, why would he go out there? I mean, I don't know. Anyway. I, I don't know about you, but I'm picturing something kind of straight out of the movie Signs, where you just see this like hand come down or something, you know? Oh kind of like God. when they were up against, and they were in the basement, and you in see the, the hands grate, come through uh, the grate. Yeah. yeah. They then spotted another creature in a nearby tree, to which Lucky distributed even more bullets, all of which allegedly ricocheted off the creature and at least one account saying it sounded like bullets hitting a paint can. Mm. Oh, wow. So it's not only looked like metal, but I guess it sounded like it, too. But once again, not all the accounts said this. So does it come later? Does it come initially? Mm. How's this going? Sure. The creature appeared to float down from the tree, and once it made landfall, it rapidly retreated into the darkness. Throughout this affair, they claim to have spotted between 12 and 15 of these creatures. None of them, Yeah. None of them actually entered the home, but were regularly spotted at the windows and doorways. At this point, both families were terrified, and they isolated themselves in the house for several hours. They claimed during this time they heard movements outside and noises on the roof. (laughs) No. At around 11 p.m., they decided enough was enough. In a mass exodus, they all broke for their cars and raced to the nearest police station in nearby Holy, Hopkinsville. They just went for it. Yeah. Everyone in the house or just... Everyone. Dang. Abandoned. Like, here, you can keep my fridge. When they arrived at the police station, they were met with shock and disbelief. Police Chief Russell Greenwell described many of them as being hysterical. One of the medical officers made note that one of the men had a very high pulse rate as a result of the incident. Maybe this was a big deal back then, but a high pulse rate, okay. I mean, I get that just going up the stairs, so I don't know. Right? (laughs) (laughs) I get excited when there's like a new Marvel trailer. I'm like, "Ah, (laughs) aliens. It should be noted that the police did not witness any behavior indicative of inebriation or intoxication. And that was put in writing. Okay, cool. And the Suttons claimed that liquor was not permitted in their home. The police officers were conflicted with the stories they heard, but at the very least, they were concerned that the Suttons and Taylors had been firing on other people in the area, (gasps) and that needed to be investigated. Oh, sure. Like, if it was a prank, I mean, obviously, it doesn't sound like it, but like, yeah, you you can't just shoot someone because they slightly look weird. Maybe they pissed off some local carnies from the carnival they were at. Oh, my God, in costume, and they're like, let's just... Like, these little guys doing, like, backflips, and... (laughs) Oh, that would explain the backflips, yes. By the way, I didn't write that down in this. That just came to my mind right now. What if it was like disgruntled carnival workers who were like, these guys, let's play a prank. Maybe. But anyway, a massive convoy of 16 people, 12 police officers, and four military police among them from nearby Fort Campbell ventured out to the Sutton Farm to investigate the disturbance. When they arrived, no creatures were found. Surprise, surprise. Sure, of course. It has been suggested that the reason no tracks were discovered was because these creatures had indeed been floating around and not touching the ground. There was notable damage from gunshots throughout the property, though. (laughs) So so some form of altercation, I mean, like, happened. Like, they obviously were shooting at something, it sounds like. Absolutely. Guns, yeah. Guns guns were discharged. That wasn't a lie. The only suspicious thing discovered was an area near one of the fences. Allegedly, it was... A bizarre glowing remnant. I can't get a good description of what exactly they saw, but they Mm. said there was kind of like a glowing anomaly near a fence post or something. Anomaly. Yeah. 
Allegedly, a photo was taken before the glow conveniently dissipated. However, mm. I can't seem to find this photo anywhere online, and almost every legitimate report about this doesn't have the photo, and they don't even claim to have seen this photo. Ah, oh, dang. Which means there may not have been a photo. Right. Saying a photo was taken makes people believe it when maybe, maybe nothing happened. someone did and they're like, shit, my finger was in the way. We'll just see if photos <laughs> Or you take an old school 1950s black and white photo of an ominous glow and it looks like nothing. And then it looks like I was like, oh, it's not even, yeah, let's not even put it in there. After a few hours, the police left. Allegedly, the creatures returned around 2 a.m. to terrorize the families the rest of the night. Holy. But after that night... The creatures have never been seen again. This led to a massive media frenzy over the story, with coverage making it to national news outlets. Over the years, the reports and retellings of the stories have changed the descriptions of the creatures from short metallic creatures to either tall, green, walking, or all three of those. Interesting. Okay. Hence, why so many refer to them as little green men. One of the descriptions said they were metallic with a slight green glow, but that seems to be a report that happened months after, as opposed to the initial interview. Oh, okay. This story has been a point of interest for many ufologists and skeptics over the years, each of whom have their many different explanations that we will go over. It was even investigated heavily by the U.S. government as part of its Project Blue Book Files, which was the secret government program created to investigate UFOs in the 50s and 60s that's been declassified. Oh, okay. The report filed on this matter classifies this incident as a hoax. Aww. So that's the story. Okay. So now I want to talk about some of my issues with what <laughs> I've heard from this story. Okay. So first off, I want to talk about them being carnival workers. So Lucky and Billy Ray both worked for a carnival at one point. Nothing wrong with carnivals. But they made a living in a field of entertainment that relies on less than normal forms of illusion and falsehood to create money and attention and attractions. Sure. People go to I be mean, fooled. And there's a lot of lies that go on there. Not not necessarily bad ones. Maybe some of them are, because I know some circuses are terrible and whatnot. But carnivals, like the carnival games and everything, they're rigged against you and everything like sure. this. So that means they were very familiar with this thing, mm -hmm. these ideas of spectacle, which already makes me a little concerned about their story, because maybe they're just trying yeah. a new thing. No, I get it. I also want to talk about the aliens who, I'm, I'm just going to call them aliens, but sure. that allegedly <laughs> raised their hands when they were being shot at. It's like, whoa, whoa, calm so I, down. Yeah, I'd just like to say that that sounds freaking weird, and I think raising one's hands when someone points a gun or shoots at you is not a universal behavior. That is learned behavior. Yeah. Like, if, if you went back to, like, the Middle Ages and you held up a gun to someone, one, they're not going to raise their hands. And if you shoot, they're still not going to raise their hands because they're not going to know that's what you're supposed to do. Right. They're not. It's not a, Well, I don't know. I mean, they probably have, like, some form of surrender. So, like, if someone was holding a bow and arrow at them, they'd be like, whoa, I'm, but I, I'm, I'm disarmed. I know, uh, but I, I, don't could, know. I could be wrong, but I think the assumption is that guns mean that you can attack someone in a very short amount of time at a very long distance. Yeah. And the idea, of put, the idea of putting your hands up has to do with you can't grab a gun and shoot back. I guess so. I guess you could throw a knife or something, but I think the idea was once guns got into the fray, the idea was I want to be able to see both your hands at a distance so you don't shoot me. Okay. And, and so anyway, I'm just saying that this is a learned behavior. Like people aren't, People weren't raising well, their hands. Well, let me put it. I mean, I think it's a very human thing. I don't know about the alien situation. Like, how would they know to do that? Well, and that's yeah. my point because if we assume the creatures knowingly raise their hands because they said this is what humans do as a reaction to the gun, wouldn't they also know that showing up in the middle of the night in green glow and <laughs> running at someone's house is just not good or safe behavior? Yeah, that's not appropriate. They can't know something about the humans and then not know something even more basic and obvious. Like, well, I maybe, just don't buy this. Maybe they weren't going to, like, torment them, but then they were like, you just shot at me, even though it didn't kill him. I mean, it's super rude. So now I'm going to scare the hell out of you. So there is another explanation for the raised hands, but we're going to get to that in a minute. Okay. <laughs> so let's talk about if these people are just credible in general. And I don't mean just because they're carnival workers. I don't know these people, and I'd like to think that most people are probably genuinely good. But, like, let's just say Police Chief Russell Greenwell described these witnesses <laughs> thusly. Quote, these aren't the kind of people who normally run to the police for help. What they do is reach for their guns, end quote. Okay. 
he is describing a type of person who I'm not necessarily going to give a excessive amount of credit to surveying a situation calmly. Sure. And matter of factly. They're not gathering evidence. They're not making, you know, theories and testing them. Mm-hmm. They're grabbing their guns and shooting. Yeah. So if they say they see something and they start shooting at it, my initial indication isn't, yes, these guys have noticed a real threat and are going for it. I'm like, maybe they're just being crazy, dumb, right. stupid. Any combination of not good reactions. Yeah. So it sounds like they, I mean, they could be overreacting initially. Exactly. Instead of being like, hey, is this a joke? You know, instead of actually talking to them, they're like, no, 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 we're not even going to try talking to this. Like, exactly. we're going to just kill it. Okay. That's fair. <laughs> and it, it, it's weird. But at the same time, at the same time, it's kind of interesting to hear the sheriff say or the police guy that, okay, even if they do react pretty quickly in a negative way, they don't go to the police officer. So if it was supposed to be like a prank, they wouldn't have escalated the situation to that point. You know, they would have joked around on each with each other mm-hmm. or like told their neighbors about it and been like, oh, you know. But if they were truly terrified and they're not the kind of person to go and seek help, this had to have been a pretty big deal. I agree with that. I don't know. I agree with that. Yeah. My last major issue with this story is that when the police came, there's no evidence. Okay, sure. <laughs> Bullets. Bullet casings, bullet damage, sure, but there's nothing else. These aliens conveniently flew. They weren't there, and the one alleged incidence of a glowing area, we have no evidence to prove that that was there. Right. We don't have any reputable police officer saying, I saw this, and I will I will swear till the day I die I saw this. No, it's none of that. So there's no evidence. that that this that, Those are all my criticisms. So let's go okay. to explanations that people have. One explanation is that they all experienced a mass hallucination. <laughs> Why a mass hallucination would occur, that's beyond me. Right. It's per- so random. Yeah. I mean, I just came up with this myself. I was like, well, they did say he saw the light when he went out to fetch water from the well. So maybe the well water was tainted and everyone was drinking it. Oh, hey. Yeah, maybe. But, but- yeah, you have a huge range of people and some of the people were just visiting. So I would assume that... The the tailors, they were they'd only been there like a short while, but they have, wouldn't have been exposed to the water as long as the other people. I don't know. But let's just say And this wasn't like a recurring thing either. So it was like this one time. So unless the water was like for some reason a second tainted and then not, I don't know. Really weird. I don't like the idea of a mass hallucination, but mm-hmm. one explanation for the mass hallucination or a variant of is one of the other explanations, and that is that they were drunk. Oh, sure. So bad moonshine or even just regular liquor, there is a chance that many of the adults were drunk and simply lied to the police officers about it. But wouldn't they kind of be able to tell? I don't know. I agree, but I can say from personal experience that getting a lot of adrenaline from fear can really make people appear and feel not drunk, even though you still are very much drunk. Okay, that's true. And so what if they got scared? What if they were drunk? Okay, so so yesterday I finally saw The Wolf of Wall Street. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and it was an okay movie, I guess. But there was the scene where he's really, really messed up on quaaludes, mm-hmm. like really old quaaludes, and he can barely function. So he takes cocaine to counteract it and get like supercharged so he can oh. save his friend from choking. Right. Okay. Um, <laughs> sure. It was kind of a hilarious scene. But I think that's that that's what adrenaline can do when you're drunk. We've been in situations where we've been drunk and then something crazy happens, like yeah. and all of a sudden, you know, you feel like you're sober and you're not, but mm-hmm. the adrenaline's doing things so Maybe because they were all so scared, the people who were drunk, it could be hidden. Okay. And, I mean, this is the 50s. They may have had reasons to lie about having alcohol. Maybe it was a dry county. I don't know. I I have no knowledge of any of this, so... And maybe they're just embarrassed. mm -hmm. I mean, they don't want to be like, I mean, we are drunk, but we need you to believe us or something. Exactly. Exactly. So... One suggestion is maybe they were drunk, even though a cop did say in the original report they didn't appear inebriated. Mm-hmm. But maybe they had to say that because, yeah, whatever. Yeah, no, I totally get it. Ufologists like to mention that more people in the area also witnessed a bright light in the sky, not just these people. This to them is telling in that this actually had to have happened. Oh, there was an absolutely a UFO. Mm-hmm. However, skeptics just suggest that it was in fact a meteor and may have been the 
trigger or inciting factor into the mass hysteria or hallucination or drunken fervor that all of these people may have had that night. If they okay. had some crazy moonshine, the guy sees a light, all of a sudden they get so scared that... This entire illusion is getting away from them. Like Especially if drinking liquor was a big taboo and they shouldn't have been doing it. They might have mm-hmm. been even more scared. So that could have been it. Uf- sure. Exactly. I don't know. <laughs> Ufologists also like to mention the presence of the ominous glow as a telling sign of paranormal activity. Unfortunately, we don't have any witnesses who weren't from the house that night, so it's still limited to the possibility of it just not being true. Skeptics who tried to explain the glow, assuming it did exist, is through a phenomenon known as foxfire, which is a naturally occurring bioluminescent fungus, which, although that sounds like a cop-out, <laughs> apparently in this area, not uncommon. Oh, hey. People knew about it. And so I'm like, oh, okay, maybe they saw some glowing fungus. I usually I hate mean, those kinds of explanations. Okay. But I, there's this one guy who's like, yeah, everyone even in the 50s would have known about this. Mm-hmm. Like, it happened. So I'm like, okay, if you're drunk, maybe you see some uh, glow. Yeah, I kind of see the point. But if they, but if it was common, I feel like that's even less of a reason. Oh, like yeah, a, like they would know the difference. Maybe like, I mean, I already know this exists. That's a fair point. Yeah. That's absolutely a fair point. But the most common accepted skeptical explanation, and I love this, is that the families encountered a group of great horned owls. Okay. And I initially was like, (laughs) wait a minute. I was like, I wasn't ready until I read it. And I I love this explanation. Now, if you look at pictures of the owls. Ooh, let's take a look. Ooh, okay. The ears and the pointy feathers. I can kind of see that. eyes. The eyes, yeah, a little bit. And if they were flying, maybe that looked like their hands were in the air. And they and they do have longer legs, you know, when they fly. Uh-huh. You kind of see it. And they have claw-like talents. So, so, so let me let me let me read this out because it's <laughs> okay. pretty exciting to me. Now, if you look at pictures of both an owl, mm-hmm. a great horned owl, which is a large owl, and you know the drawings that these aliens were supposed to look like, yeah. there is some shocking similarities. The bright glowing yellow eyes that owls are famous for having mm-hmm. the talon claws and everything like that and they even have feathers on the top of their head that point up that look kind of like goblin ears and everything sure. like this it's they're gonna look creepy in the middle of the night they're yeah. absolutely gonna look terrifying but they're not green or anything i mean no but that could have been issues with maybe a bioluminescence glow or Remember, a lot of the later descriptions started saying green, but most of the initials just said silver. And a lot of birds with white and gray appear silver, especially in moonlight. Oh, for sure. And we should also mention that these owls are in this area they're not they're not like oh there may be some like migrated down like yeah like the mothman where they were like trying to force a bird yeah these ones are in the area their talent hands are absolutely terrifying looking and they can be incredibly protective of areas particularly nests oh that makes sense now they also would be flying and if you've ever seen owls they often are gliding and not flapping their wings so Mm -hmm. if they just saw these owls gliding floating floating through all of a sudden you have something floating not you know uh making tracks on the ground you see the eyes oh and then when their wings are like Say, oh, their hands went up. Maybe their wing. Maybe they were trying to like scare the humans. Well, like, but or when something. an owl is stopping, it, when an owl no longer wants to move forward, it puts up its its wings. All birds do this to kind of like stop, to stop and go in a different direction and flip and flip. <laughs> yeah, and so uh, oh my when I'm just thinking about, it, I'm like, man, this makes a lot of sense. That maybe they just saw a bunch of these giant owls that were pissed off in the area. A group of them, maybe even two or three, and they didn't realize there were only two or three, and they thought there were like fifteen. And just and, add to the to the whole, maybe they were drinking. This could all kind of come together. Instantly. Well, and my favorite part of this, it means they're all terrible shots. Oh, my God. That's so true. Cause because <laughs> if you have a shotgun and you're supposed to be close, because these are supposed to be nearby, and you can't kill an owl, man, you suck at shooting. Or they were drunk. And maybe, yeah, and hearing the ting ting of the shots, maybe like hitting nearby things, not the actual owl. <laughs> so even Obviously. though so even though my first reaction to that explanation was to roll my eyes, I was like, after I read more about it, I'm like, hmm. they totally saw owls. Hmm. To the point where even some super respected ufologists, like true believers in in UFOs and everything, they even say I'm pretty sure they saw owls. Oh wow. So this is basically disputed. Um or rather confirmed a hoax kind of thing so okay 
I will say that even though it is kind of like fake or maybe, I mean, assuming that it wasn't real aliens, the way you told the story, it really freaked me out. Well, I was I was very careful to detail it. I told it differently than everyone else. Every story I read about this started with these people showing up at the police station telling their story. I didn't like that. Oh, I right. wanted to tell it from their perspective. Okay. And then go into it. But th- that may be the story, but there's actually some pretty interesting aftermaths to this story. Several sources claim that this was one of the major influences to Steven Spielberg for his creation of the seminal blockbuster E.T. Ew. <laughs> and when you think about some of the things that you hear and the way some of the people react and everything and the small town interaction and everything, mm-hmm. there's some similarities there, which is pretty cool. Yeah. And another fun thing to come out of this event is the Little Green Men Days Festival, which is held in Kelly each year on August 21st. To, you know, on, on the anniversary. Yeah. The festival is held at Kelly Station Park and attracts many thousands of people each year. People dress up as green aliens. There's a giant UFO created in the center of the park. Fun. There's even a film recreation of the events that is played at a local theater. It looks like people <laughs> are selling stuff and eating stuff. It just looks like kind of a goofy little festival. But it, it there's so many of these things. I honestly yeah. think we couldn't go 10 miles without seeing some sort of festival. We just have to plan an optimal time of year where we could get a travel most of them. yeah i think we can do like an itinerary or something about that i definitely want to go to the mothman i don't know i think it'd be fun so that is the kelly hopkinsville encounter which Yay! i had never heard of but apparently is a big deal and the fact that they call them goblins or little green men i think is based on stories that came after the initial report like right. it's been morphed into that that's not what it was. A lot of stories kind of change over time a little mm-hmm. bit. But yeah, I, I kind of see I kind of see that it could be birds. <laughs> Even I have to admit, boo. Yeah. That's okay. <laughs> I'll get over it. So I think that brings our episode to a close this week. I think so. I mean, it's a bit of a short episode, but I think it warrants. And I, and I thought our stories, although slightly short are pretty fun well and they're not like they're not like huge monumental ones like we've done last couple episodes these are more like fun grounded a little bit i mean a little more like localized more playful they're more playful except mine might be a little scary so i don't know but (laughs) if you have any stories that you think people should know we want to hear from you drop us a line at hotwpodcast at gmail.com or any social media as always we post episodes every saturday and you can find us on all standard podcasting platforms We want to thank you guys for joining us today. If you've been drinking along with us, even though we were drinking water today, I hope you have another. And if you aren't drinking because you're being a responsible adult, have one later. And if you happen to be hungover while listening to this, don't worry. Me. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Don't worry, because the best cure for a hangover is fear. Bye. Bye.